0: Welcome to The Arrangers Podcast. I'm Aaron Heddenstrom. And I'm Drew
1: Zaremba. The Arrangers Podcast is dedicated to the insightful discussion of music
0: arranging and composition. What we do takes a lot of hard work and resources. We are asking for support from listeners like you to continue to make this podcast available for everybody.
1: Please consider contributing a monthly donation to our Patreon platform. We sincerely appreciate any contributions you are able to give. You can also follow us on Facebook
0: and Instagram... Or leave a review on iTunes. Be sure to send us your questions and feedback to thearrangerspodcast at gmail.com and find out more at www.thearrangerspodcast.com.
1: Let's dive in.
0: Hey, everybody, Aaron Hedenstrom here, and Drew Zaremba is with me, and we are recapping our trip to the ISJAC conference in May of 2019. We attended the International Society of Jazz Composers and Arrangers, or ISJAC for short, Symposium in Greeley, Colorado, and had the opportunity to interview many of the world's leading composers and arrangers. Yes,
1: ISJAC is an organization we're very proud to be members of. It's an organization that Chuck Owen started in 2015 to unite jazz composers and arrangers together to promote new works, share research and knowledge, and bond together in community, and bond we did, uh, meeting many of our heroes and new friends from all around the world, getting together to discuss jazz and composing. So if you like this podcast, then more than likely, you should go to the ISJAC conference in 2021 in Austin, Texas. I'm definitely planning on being there. Uh, Aaron, I hope you are, I hope he is too, and um uh we hope to see you there too and
0: that you'd say hi and we get to meet you in person absolutely and you know i will say that one of the coolest things about going there was that it's you know it's such a small community compared to if you go to even the jazz education network mm-hmm. conference or it's it's certainly a small community compared to something like the nam convention and what's really nice about that is that, you know, all of your writing heroes are right there to talk to. And uh, so we got to talk to one of our personal writing heroes, somebody that, Drew, you've worked with personally, some somebody that I've admired from afar. And this particular person is the multi-Grammy award-winning Vince Mendoza.
1: Uh, Vince Mendoza, his name is synonymous with... Uh, excellence and profundity. Not sure if that's a word or not, but it's it, it's it's a word now. And he, just an amazing um, visionary artist uh, whose arrangements always capture um, something new and bold, and ultimately tell a story. That's that's the impression that I always get from Vince's writing. Uh, whether it's an original composition or arrangement, that it it, it tells a very compelling story. Um, as you mentioned, Darren, yeah, I, I had the very great privilege of working with him at the Metropole Orchestra Arrangers Workshop a year a couple of years ago. That was an incredible experience, uh, watching him conduct the orchestra. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he was a, the chief conductor for the Metropole Orchestra for many years, um, and uh now is the uh composer in residence with the VDR big band in Germany. Um of course he's written uh hundreds of pieces for various artists. Uh, the one that most people know very well is the as the Both Sides Now record uh with Joni Mitchell. Um but he's Beautiful. also been his own he's released many albums under his own name uh, in particular, the, uh, uh, his big band recordings and then some of his orchestral recordings, uh, fe- uh, Epiphany comes to mind and, uh, Nights on Earth mm-hmm. and several others, uh, with some of the greatest jazz artists of all time performing on them. Michael Brecker, John Schofield, Peter Erskine, so on and so forth. So
0: it's almost easier to say, uh it's almost easier to make a list of who he hasn't collaborated with because he's collaborated with pretty much everybody. And one of the highlights of the conference was when he shared one of his arrangements that he did for Bjork, the Icelandic pop artist. And, you know, it was really, really cool to see his, his score for that off the album Vespertine. And just to get a, a window into his process, he really shared kind of how he writes and, Honestly, it was fascinating because you listen to his music and you kind of go, how did you come up with that?
1: Right. Yeah, it's it's incredible. So, uh let's let's not make anyone wait any longer. Let's get to the interview. What do you say,
0: Aaron? I 100% agree. Let's do it. <laughs>
1: Hello, this is Drew Zaremba from the Arrangers podcast, and uh, still here at the International Society for Jazz Composers and Arrangers, and I have the pleasure of uh, sitting next to uh, the amazing arranger and composer, Mr. Vince Mendoza. How has the conference been for you, Vince? This is my first time. At the Isjac uh,
2: Symposium, and it's been really a wonderful three days of of interfacing with with great writers and being inspired by their ideas and their points of view, and it's really been a wonderful time. Yeah,
1: you can just hold on to it all. All right. A little later and stuff. Um, so, just a couple quick questions. Thank you. Um, what two or three things did you do? Some milestone moments that really made a difference in your composing and arranging career in education?
2: I think that my development as a composer has, has been a continuum from, from those uh, beginning moments where I just wanted to try stuff. I had ideas and wrote them down and recorded them. And uh, made them into something that I could share with musicians and so starting ensembles at a at a very young age helped me to to appreciate the dynamic of a larger group and and write music uh, for 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 multiple musicians and and so I started doing that in high school, putting together groups. And um, when I got to Los Angeles after college, putting together uh, the big band out there was instrumental in, in meeting so many musicians there. And, and that really was an introduction to my to my presence in Los Angeles. And, and to this day, I still work with a lot of those musicians that were playing in my band in uh, 1984. Right. So um, it's a, a reminder to us that that being a jazz composer is inextricable from the the uh, the people that are playing our music and uh, and thats that 's an important consideration so if you think about your your career as a as a continuum, it really starts out with the meeting the people that play your music and em, embrace your vision and point of view yeah
1: that's that 's wonderful, thank you of those times that you 've interacted with those musicians, are there a couple that Stand out to you that say, "Oh yeah, that's when I changed. That's when I found this part of my voice." Or is it more continuum and part of a fabric?
2: I think that th- that the people that we meet uh, determine our path, and you're right about that. But the I think perhaps meeting uh, Peter Erskine and Joe Zavanel in those early days um, helped to to sort of pave a certain. Uh, path for me. Of course, I was into that music uh, long before I met them, and and uh, so meeting them sort of put a put a face and personality to the to the music that that I got to know all of those years. But they definitely paved the paved a path uh, for jazz writing. Me, meeting John Abercrombie, um, of course, meeting Mike Brecker. Um, those. Moments and opportunities that I had to work with these musicians shaped the way that I write shaped the, the My mode of communication Shaped the way that I work in the studio you know, you learn along the way from the people that that influence you uh, And and then of course working with Larry Klein with Joni Mitchell you know that just being able to to learn how to Put together records and make make uh, you know rhythm tracks and and mix and and uh, deal with singers and you know that that part of it uh, was really um, reinforced with my work with Larry.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. Okay, so this is very applicable to what we've been going through these last couple of days. Um, just limiting, limiting it to one or two. What is a good trend? that you see in young composers today and a not so good trend that you see in young composers today. I think a very positive trend, in what
2: we've been seeing with younger composers, we talked about this in the earlier session, is that I see that a lot of the younger composers are, are dropping a lot of the preconceived idioms that we hear in especially big band music, also in, in small group music. Uh, you know, rhythmic and, and melodic idioms that we feel that are, are part of uh, or, or that used to be a part of the, the tradition uh, the younger writers are 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 extracting other traditions to, to put into that ensemble that I find that's interesting and it's had its effect on on structures it has its effect on the type of improvisation that we see. Uh, in the in these structures and, and I see it as a, a very positive thing and also the language that, that composers are using is not uh, the language of 1945 big band writing right. uh, not even 1965 big band writing right. so I'm very happy about that and this symposium uh, really reinforced that um, that reality that, the, that everybody has a different point of view and, and not every structure has to sound the same, and, and not every ensemble piece has to have a certain idiom in it to, to qualify as a big bend jazz piece. Right, right, right. Um, the trend that I see going away from, from linear, uh, concentrating on, on linear construction with regard to melody in particular, is, uh, concerns me. A bit, because my feeling is that, yeah, I don't need to tell you that you have to have a great melody. Um, mm-hmm. That in in that's a, a bit on the trite side, but an, a linear approach to to writing your melodic lines uh, will help you to write your counterpoint. And it will help you yes. to design your harmony. Yes. And it helps you in in your design of, of rhythmic structures. And, and that way, looking at the shapes that you write, the intervals you choose, and how you pace yourself rhythmically throughout a melody is important uh, to expressing yourself. And right now I'm feeling that uh, a lot of the younger composers are not thinking in terms of of the shapes of their melody or how how lyrical you can be mm. um a, a lot of music has become very mathematic yes. and um not uh, something that that really has a relationship to uh rhythm uh or or any kind of you know feeling visceral uh, right. rhythm that 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 somehow has you know left the building with regard to you know large and small mm. ensemble writing, so i 'd like to see a little bit more concentration on on linear construction of melody and and maybe a little bit more uh, relationship with with the rhythm section and our bodies mm. and uh, you know if you 're playing a solo improvising your chapter on the story. You know, your body is part of the equation, yes. and if your body is not responding to the relationship of the rhythm section and the in the lines and the chords that you write, then it's a lot harder to play a, a meaningful chapter in the story. So, that's one thing that I hope that the, the younger writers are will maybe start drifting a little bit more toward linear expression and, um, and something that we can can feel in our bodies when we're playing
1: and listening that's was well said thank you vince <laughs> um what are um what are you listening to now and uh how is that how are you continuing to digest new music and and grow from that well these days i'm not you know i'm not listening to to a lot of music
2: because i'm writing and and so i'm i don't really have a lot of time to listen after the symposium i'm going to be listening to the stack of cds that that i got (laughs) Uh, um, but um you know my go-to list when i have time uh, i've been Checking out a lot of Henri Dutill's, uh chamber music, yeah. and um, his string quartets. String quartet music is, is so beautiful and textural and colorful that mm. that uh, I, I got interested in some of his solo um, sonatas and, and concerti. Um, the, the cello concerto, in particular, is amazing, and his approach to to intervalic Writing and his intervallic structures and chords uh, is very interesting to me and, and he's you know a, a, quite an unsung uh, composer of the uh, you know twentieth century right yeah uh, french world right right um and then um you know some some the middle medieval and renaissance Music uh, from f- just inspired by some of my students that that were interested in it. I wow. got back into Macho and, okay. and uh, Josquin, Josquin? Dupré and yeah. uh, listening to to the Monteverdi madrigals. Yes, those um, are beautiful. Just looking at the the again the the linear expression right. and the relationship between one voice and another voice and how. You can add voices to create a particular, um, sometimes surprising sonority, especially you know in medieval music, in Renaissance music, to hear something pop out at you that that is is very unusual in Machaut's music and uh, de Lasse's music uh, that is born of or was born of, uh, of the relationships between the lines.
1: Mm. Yes. And,
2: um, that's, that's yeah. (laughs) And that's an important thing for young writers to learn when they're interested in, you know, how do I stretch my harmonic language? This is to think about your linear writing and the relationship of lines to each other. Yeah.
1: Linear harmony. Right. Yeah. All right. The last thing is, um, Everyone knows you as a composer, arranger, producer, conductor, etc. Um, But what do you do outside of music that you do for fun uh, that people... It could be surprising. It doesn't have to be surprising. But something that uh, you do to get away from music uh, or as another side of Vince that perhaps people don't know about.
2: Well... um, over the last several years, I've been uh, working toward, uh, well, I got my, my FCC general amateur radio license really? uh, two years ago. And uh, it, it was, it's been a, sort of a lifelong love of electronics and, and radio uh. stuff in particular. And, and I finally, in the urging of my friends Rick Lawn and, and, um, and Raul Midon, who is also, uh, he's a, he's a, a top, you know, extra class um, radio operator. Uh, they they both sort of pushed me into finally taking the tests and and getting licensed. and That's And so good. now I'm now that I'm licensed, I you know totally into the to the gear and just getting mm-hmm. that antenna right. And so whenever I have spare time, I'm usually reading ham radio manuals or. Watching YouTube videos about guys putting antennas in their backyards and oh, that's great. You know, things like that. So that, that's my that's my hobby and vice and everything else. Fantastic. Is the is ham radio world. What a joy! And it's it's been it's it's a lot of fun and it it doesn't have a lot to do with with everything else that that I'm working on and, yeah. and so it's been it's sort of a nice diversion to the to everything else that I've been doing.
1: that's fun i you know sometimes uh, uh composers and arrangers become uh deified or just become oh this is all they ever do and breathe and they forget oh no we're, we're human we need breaks we need yeah. we need other things to do and sure. yeah. uh, humanize us so yeah. um this has been a fun chat uh we look forward to doing a full interview but thank you for sharing your time with us, and you, uh, we'll talk to you soon, Vince. Okay, I hope so. Thank yes. you for Yeah.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Arrangers Podcast. If you enjoyed what you just heard, you can support us directly with a small donation on Patreon or by sharing this episode with a friend. You can hear lots of other
1: interviews, score studies, and fun discussions at www.thearrangerspodcast.com or wherever you find podcasts. Bye for
0: now and keep writing.